everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Druckmann. I am talking to Doc Searles, and we are joined by Mike Misi, who is the CEO of ID Ramp. And we're going to talk about real-world identity solutions. We're going to talk about decentralization and verifiable credentials. And we're going to get into some really, really, really good stuff. So this conversation comes right after we had another very important conversation about ID me and a national ID system. So I think this ties in really well with the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to link to that in our description. I encourage you to listen to both. And uh, with that, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit more about ID Ramp and what you do and where your interests lie? Awesome. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, first of all. Um, ID Ramp was really founded out of the, the, the Federation challenges with, with major enterprise. So we've been around kind of doing this. I personally have been fixing solutions and creating others, creating other problems, I'm sure, uh, for, mm-hmm. for many, many, many years. And uh, kind of got started with, with Microsoft back in the day when they were launching their live meeting service and really needed federation. You know, the message was just uh, go out here and create usernames and passwords. And obviously that wasn't really flying in the enterprise space. So, you know, we, we did some stuff, built some, some tools and, uh, and that's really where we got our start. And from, from there, you know, we, we learned all of the things not to do. And when I was pretty confident, I had a, handle on what I needed to do, uh, we started IDRAMP. And IDRAMP was the, um, you know, the, the culmination of all that learning and trying to do things the right way. And, um, you know, for example, and this is, this is, this should be, you know, on our mission statement somewhere, but IDRAMP, the hardest decision we ever had to make when starting IDRAMP was not to be an identity provider. And that sounds, you really have to kind of chew on that a little bit, but it would have been so much easier, so much easier if we would have just said, all right, we're going to store this uh, identity. We, we think we know who this person is and we're going to enable that for, you know, and just become another identity uh, silo. We, we probably, not probably, we definitely would have had a much easier time building this, the tool services and integrations. Um, but we didn't do that, right? I mean, we, we keep this open platform and uh, we're trying to enable next generation tools by speaking current generation language, right? So we go into the enterprise and we're talking about things they understand, SAML, OAuth, OIDC, you know, APIs and typical things. But the, the product of that integration are these beautiful little things called verifiable credentials, you know? So if we go into an organization, that organization says, Mike, we need to remove passwords. You know, we, we get, we've been way too long. Uh, we got to get rid of them tomorrow. So our solution is never... Well, you know, dids and, and all, we don't go in with that type of technology or terminology. We, we basically come in and just say, um, great, we're going to remove your passwords. But instead of creating a massive database of all these stored passwords and injecting them where needed and all that stuff, we, we do that by hooking into their existing identity solutions um, and then creating a you know a wallet for, for them, right? They don't know any of this. They don't see any of this code-free platform. Um, but we're putting them into the area of verifiable credentials. And the output is they just get a credential that says, hey, you're a user in this uh, Active Directory or G Suite ad or whatever. And, and they can use that and they go, man, my passwords are gone. And so we're, we're trying to, to evolve the conversation by using and leveraging a lot of things that the real world is using today. You know, and that's and that I think is an important piece. And that's that's really all we focus on, whether it's new onboarding, you know, new hire onboarding or user identifi- uh, identification solutions, 
the IDRAP platform is a massive mixing board for traditional identity systems, for biometric service providers, for uh, application services, for API interfaces. So just it's this giant thing and you bring in and you pick all your tools that you want to do and you create those flows and you create an authentication path or a flow for for user process. So that's a really long-winded way of explaining what IDRAP does, but that summarizes our our goals uh, pretty concisely. So let me ask, um, because I'm my my knowledge base comes from the emergence of SSI, self-sovereign identity, and verifiable credentials as a new way of looking at identity. And mm-hmm. um, and so, and correct me if I have this wrong, because I I think I want to make it as easy as we can for the listeners uh, of the show. Um, a, a verifiable credential is, for example, we, there's the, the IRS, right? The IRS, which made news with this ID.me fiasco, basically. Um, um, basically, they, they hired a company to do identity for them. And it was in an old-fashioned way. Hey, you give an identity, as it were, to somebody. It happens to include their face. That's what made it controversial. And that's how we thought about identity, a and we used to call this an ID provider and then a relying party. So the ID provider in this case is like ID.me helps the IRS give an identifier, to give an ID to a citizen and they could take that somewhere else. Of course, the, the IRS only wants you to take it to them. But yeah. the old way we thought about identities is that you carry a portfolio of official things in your wallet, but they have to actually carry more information than you want to necessarily share, like your driver's license has your height and your weight and your eye color and your hair and a bunch of other, and your address, you may not want to say anything other than I'm over 18 where I mm-hmm. live in this state. Right. Yep. So, but a verified credential is that. And with, with the IRS, for example, this is a citizen. <laughs> Do I need to yep. know more than that? Okay. Then there's a verifiable credential for that, or I've given you a verifiable credential that may only be useful to the IRS and not to anybody else, which I think is probably the way to go with them. Whereas for a driver's license, the state may give you a collection of verifiable credentials that may include your address and your hair color and the rest, but, but you have a wallet for keeping these. I'm looking at it from the personal side. You've got a wallet. That wallet is ideally substitutable, like the one you have in your pocket, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it carries all a portfolio of verifiable credentials that adhere to um, Kim Cameron's seven laws of identity, which, you know, minimum disclosure for constrained use, justifiable parties. Um, you know, in other words, I, I want to constrain as much as I can how little I reveal to other parties about myself. And that's what verifiable credentials do. Is that close? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's so many good points in there. And, and the ID.me thing is a great, it's a great lesson, right? I mean, some will say, oh man, mistake or lost opportunity, depending on what, you know, how you fall on that. I just see it as a great it's a great learning, you know, it's a great lesson that we can move forward from. And the problem I had with that whole deal was not, was not the fact that the government said we need help. Great. Awesome. But it's the trust. It's the relationship. My relationship with the IRS is just that it's a, it's a trust relationship between me Mm -hmm. and the IRS. So they need to own the responsibility to manage that process. You know, government created identity, whatever. I mean, you know, that that's a conversation that gets incredibly complex, incredibly fast. But my problem fundamentally was I don't have a trust relationship with ID.me or any other vendor that I will 
trust to represent my on my behalf with the with the Internal Revenue Service that I don't distrust implicitly, you know, pushing out to other to other sources. And IDW they they do that right. With I don't want to you know bash on them. There's there's others, but I'm just saying that that. Mm-hmm. That's they're providing that service, you know, and that's and that's fine. They're making money and and paying their stockholders, and and that's um, you know that's what makes the world go round. But that's fundamentally at odds with the trust relationship that I need to have with my government or with my you know my tax service. So so that's my problem, you know, and and that's the way I see the relationship is more you know kind of my overview of IT ramp. Obviously, probably explains my perspective on this, but the way I see that relationship is if if the government needs help great you can use a tool like id ramp or others i mean there's others out there to say i need to hook into these types of service if it's biometrics great if it's whatever it is right just you know you pick it but they need to own they have the responsibility to own the process and i think that's where the failure really came up if it would have been you know the irs is launching this great biometric uh, service blah, blah blah whatever they might still take some heat and some backlash but at least they're owning the responsibility to manage the the relationship, the trust between their them and their consumer. So I, that's my biggest problem with that with that whole thing. Um, and and you made you know some other really really good points. Where does that start, right? Self sovereign identity is is a, we talk about it all the time. It's a very difficult thing. So my belief is we empower as many people as we can. To use the right technology and try to make the, the the use and the adoption of that technology the thing that's viral. You know, the rest of the world will catch up if we can do simple things like making it easier for you to interface with your services applications or uh, or your government. Right? I mean, that would be a, a, a killer application if it's easier for me to to do things with uh, the DMV or social services. Um, it, it's, you know, that would be, that would cause a very, very rapid adoption. And so that, that's kind of where, you know, it's kind of where I'm at anyway. Everything I see fundamentally, I see these little processes, whether they're inside a big organization or a small, uh, small, small medium business or, or public sector, there's opportunities to take little slices and say, okay, we're going to take this process and we're going to replace that with a verifiable credential. Don't tell them we're using verifiable credential, right? Explain right, that it's selective, selective disclosure, yeah. you know, all the stuff that you said. And, and they go, yeah, that's great. And by doing that with the right technology of the time, right? We can all agree technology evolves quickly. So um, what we're using today, uh, verifiable credentials with selective disclosure, in my opinion, is the best tool we have in the toolkit today. Will that evolve? Certainly. You know, will it, and, and it's going to change, but uh, being able to form the trust relationships and the, um, uh, you know, have the tools for uh, preventing the, the correlation of that data is, is really, really important. And I think if we can solve as many of those little processes as possible using the right tools, we'll find that we're slowly changing the world. So, so how do we get there? So you mentioned going viral, going, you know, other, other people will, will, you know, take it. And, and spread, you know, the, the right way of doing things once it's, it takes off. And I have to admit the reaction to the ID me news was encouraging because it, consumer demand did in fact work, I think. And so how do you, how do we get the consumer demand to make these changes in a, a substantial and really measurable way for the end user? Yeah, that's, um, 
it's the great question, right? I mean, that's 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 what <laughs> no we're pressure. all searching. That's what we're really searching for here, and I think it has to be. Um, uh, it has to be. We're talking about tools that are that come very easily to a certain demographic. Uh, more difficult to other demographics, right? This is the idea yeah. of of using these. So I think we'd have we'd be silly to not say we have to target that demographic. We're going after the younger you know generation that's really familiar with these tools. The problem, this is an interesting one for me, but the problem is that those that younger generation is so free with their data. They've just, you know, that, that it's it's at odds with with privacy. The people that are really concerned about the privacy are the people that don't really want to use tools. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a it's a really, really challenging issue. But hey, the world's changing, right? I mean, we got all this stuff. Um, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the uh, crypto is, is is something that everybody's using it now as a term, you know, and people know what it is. And and metaverse, I mean, God help me, I don't I don't know if I can survive <laughs> it, right? But you know, all this stuff is coming at us whether we want it or not, and 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 it will. There are absolute requirements for these types of personal identity tools, and I think somewhere in that evolution, we'll find the adoption uh, of these tools, and and hopefully. You know, we wrestled away from the big, from the big centralized um, providers, who are also, by the way, you know, trying to develop these tools, and and they're just not as privacy preserving as others that follow, you know, in, in different circles. And that's that's a really challenging thing as well because we have to make it easy. And um, historically, you know, the, the the big companies that know how to make consumers happy with easy solutions. Um, can't are, are the ones that we're really trying to wrestle control away from here to uh, right. to make things a little more decentralized. So, so there's some really I don't know I I know there wasn't an answer in there, but a lot of really yeah. great questions I think that we just have to keep you know we just got to get up every morning and pull our boots on and and go to work and that's that's yeah. just pretty much how we have to solve it. That's why we're here. That's why we have these conversations. Yep. I don't know that we ever come up with really concrete answers, but as long as we keep the conversation going, it feels like we're we're making progress, right? Yeah. Um, you you brought up the metaverse, which is, well, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation, but I think it ties in nicely here because I feel like, and I, I wonder if you agree that in a few years, the, the concept of identity will fund, will fundamentally shift a bit because, you know, who you are online and digitally will really change into uh, this potentially this VR little avatar where we might be having, we might have this, this, this call in the metaverse where my little lizard person is talking to your superhero and, and doc is, well, I don't know, whatever you want to be doc <laughs> in our, in our uh, future uh, podcast recording uh, in the metaverse. And I, I just wonder how you see that evolving in terms of this conversation about identity and privacy. Well, I think we have an opportunity, um, an opportunity to to invoke some change here, right? And this this is it's a really really a key time because you're you hit on something that I also think is very important. Everybody talks about self sovereign identity. Well, what is it? It's a collection of metadata, right? That's all it is. It's just a collection of stuff about me. My identity is not my passport. My identity is not my driver's license or my utility bill or my, it's everything, right? And so this is why it's so complicated to, to get your head around. It's like, well, yeah, I, that sounds really good. Where do I get one? Well, you don't get one, you get a thousand or 10,000, you know, from the time you're born. And that shift is going to be, that's a long walk, right? That's a long walk. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to get there again. Uh, you know, my 
personal philosophy is let's change what we can change slowly. And, and, you know, if I can, if I can put a piece of metadata in your possession that allows you to log into zoom without a password, you know, then, then it's, it's a small victory. It's a small victory. If I can, you know, we worked on a really cool project last year with the state of North Dakota, uh, we're issuing digital credentials, right? For all of the graduating seniors. That's really cool. That's changing. You know, now, now we have verifiable um, credentials for all of these graduating seniors. They don't, they just look at it as a transcript they got on their phone. They don't, they don't know what's going on or the technology behind it, but we can start going out now and building around the perimeter, other places. Well, Hey, I know that these students coming out of North Dakota are going to have this transcript. So you, Mr college admissions, how would you like to chop, you know, two days off of the process of trying to vet all of those courses and, and ACT scores and, and all that stuff, you know, we're starting to, we're starting to chip away now. And there's a lot of that movement going on in education. And, uh, um, and you, you can see the opportunity to pull in private sector there as well. Hey, you want to hire this person? Great. Here's how you can immediately verify, you know, this stuff. It'll tell you exactly what you need to know nothing else because the disclosure is coming from the applicant, the student, the graduate, whatever. And, and so, you know, it's a much better solution. And I think we can, I think we can get there. The introduction of metaverse is, is just another application. It's just another thing that is going to play a part in making up your persona, you know, and, and who you are. And so if we, if we have the opportunity to introduce, and certainly there's going to be, you know, uh, payments and all this. We just have a great opportunity right now to say, this is the way we can do digital identification better, um, and and you know start stimulating that on the commercial side, on the enterprise side, as opposed to just kind of sitting back and waiting for governments to do what they're going to do. And and public sector is it's just it's really hard because public sector plays by a different rule book. They have to, you know, they they have to be more. Um, uh, conservative and, and inclusive and, and all this stuff, that, you know, by nature to try and make sure that everybody can participate and the enterprise and commercial sector has an opportunity to just turn and burn, right? If they find a way um, to, to make it easier, to make it cheaper, to make it whatever, they can, they can start implementing these little pieces of data and we can start taking that out into the real world. Hey, how would you like to use your employer's ID to get 30% off on an oil chain? Whatever, you know, I mean, you can, you can take those credentials because of the way that they work um, and very easily extend to those ecosystems and broaden those ecosystems. Uh, it's just really hard work right now, but I think once we get the ball rolling, it starts picking up speed, um, it, it'll change very quickly. I'm wondering if what, I mean, an interesting thing to me and a very encouraging thing is that um, uh, as you know, we, we, we've been organizing the uh, Inter Internet Identity Workshop for, it's going to have its 35th, I think, the next one, 34th or 35th. It was two a year since 2005. And lots of things have come out of this. But the last several years, probably SSI, DIDs, verifiable credentials have been the big thing. And mm -hmm. the difference now, I think, is that there's just so much development going on. Uh, you're in it, but a lot of other companies are in it. Some big companies too, IBM, um, right. Microsoft, um, are all uh, are are involved in various ways, and uh, some of it's smoke blowing, some of it's real. Um, uh, but at some point, 
something breaks through. Um, wh what do you think that, I mean, it did, this is different than the viral question a little bit, because we think, I think at some point it will, but um, what's it going to take? I mean, what, what, is there a vertical? Maybe a vertical is a way to think of it. I, I think the IRS is probably not a great example, but there, that Zoom might be a good example. And maybe the, there's a kind of horizontal that might be a vertical, which is everybody hates passwords and logins, right? Everybody yeah. does. Yeah. So that's the giant pain point. It's been around. I mean, my gosh, if you told me in 1995, we'd still be using logins and passwords in 2022, yeah. I'd want to kill myself. I mean, it's like, are we that uncreative? But I think the only way we could deal with this is from the user side. You can't, because everybody else is going to, if you have a zillion different enterprises all solving the same problem in their own ways, you can only have logins and passwords. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if there's, if you're sort of imagining what that's going to be, what, what's going to break through. Yep. That's a, it's a great question. I think uh, I'm with you on passwords, by the way, but I think that goes to, um, you know, it goes to a point that, that Catherine made earlier. People, people do care. They yeah. care that passwords, you know, suck. <laughs> they care, yeah, yeah. but but they don't care enough. I mean, to to invest a lot of effort into solving the problem, and so therein lies the you know the issue for us yeah, is yeah. as as people trying to make this process better, we have to make it completely frictionless. If we say, "Word or Weaver," but you know you got to use your smartphone and do this, ah, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. I'm just gonna call. It, I'm just gonna go with one, two, three, four, new. Right or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so so it's it's really challenging. But but I'll tell you what that that um, market will have an effect. There will be an effect. Uh, the the problem is that no one yet has created a uh, a big enough uh, a big enough uh, you know opportunity where I as a consumer can say, okay, I'm going to use your thing because it pretty much takes care of all of my problems. Now the the password masking industry has done a great job of that, but it's not so great technology, right? I mean, you're just replacing 10,000 silos with one right. master silo, you know, and that's even worse because now your, your breach point, you know, is your threat surface on that one is, is, is massive. So if we can use, if we can use this technology, if we can use verifiable credentials and we can break that apart, uh, then, then we've got some opportunity. So I think there's a massive opportunity for, um, to come out with a, a password manager replacement type service using verifiable credentials that are interoperable in, in many different other um, walks of life rather than just, you know, logging into Zoom. Um, and I also think I also think education and just the whole public sector. I know public sector is is difficult. I know that, um, you know, we're struggling at, at a government level to find the right place, but it doesn't have to start all the way at the top. Obviously, it'd be great, good, but we're seeing a lot of individual states doing projects, whether it's in education or, or um, you know, we did a pilot for a state here in the U.S. where they had like 140 different social service sites, you know, different sites, unemployment, uh, uh, everything clear down to the public library. You know, they had mm -hmm. 140 different logins, <laughs> usernames and passwords. They were all separate identity silos, no common foundational thing. And we whipped out this little pilot. They said, look, let's just find out who this person is, right? However you choose to do that, if you want to manually vet them or using some tools, and let's generate a, a payload of credentials for their uh, street address, for their whatever it is. And we put three or four different credentials into a wallet that the consumer can manage. And then the, 
the user experience for logging into all of those services changes to one interaction. It's one thing, right? It's the same. If I'm going to unemployment, it's the same presentation of, of uh, the same process, not the presentation of data, the same process, whether I'm logging into jobs and unemployment or, um, uh, you know, or, uh, or the public library. And I do the same thing as a consumer, same exact thing. And the information that transmits passively or passed through the, uh, the assertion is much different, of course, right? If I'm going to a court hearing, it's going to be a different payload of data than if I'm going to the library. But the, we've made it easy for the consumer in that case, and that's something the consumer would use, right? Because it's taking, it's saving them time, it's saving them uh, 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 you know, frustration from having to go out and reset or generate or remember or go to the, you know, go to the spiral notebook of all their passwords written down, whatever it is, to, to find that information. So processes like that will, if we can get, you know, a few key players to come in and start, um, start processes like that, hopefully using, you know, um, again, the, the right technologies, it's, it's kind of important, right? If we're, if we're out there spinning our own uh, proprietary solutions, that's not following standards and not interoperable, then we're just part of the problem. But um, if we can create some some solutions like that, I really think you're going to see public sector education. And then, of course, the password elimination market is still um, alive and strong in 2022. So I, I think I have a question for both of you, really. And that's, so you use the phrase need to know, right? And, and I'm wondering, you know, once you have the ability to easily verify certain credentials, like you mentioned, uh, education, transcript, what have you, uh, your credit score, your um, you know, background check, your, how do you, how do you protect that from, because humans love to collect information on each other. We love businesses, governments, we love to collect as much as we can, and yeah. we're not necessarily responsible with it. So once you have this very easy, easy ability to, to click a button and, and share, you know, any verifiable piece of data about yourself, what, how do we prevent things from getting to the point where, um, whatever entity it may be demands too much. You know, how do we, how does it, how do we prevent it from becoming, you know, an easily verifiable social score mm -hmm. or something like that? Yeah. I mean, this is where we get back to the philosophy, right? This uh, is really yeah. hard because, <laughs> because how do you, how do you know? I mean, we can develop this tool. And like, like I said, you can, you know, you can build a service. I can build a service and say, log into this court hearing. Here are the five pieces of information I need to know. I can ask for those five pieces of information. And guess what's going to happen when the consumer, when that citizen goes to, to log into that, that court hearing, they're going to, they're going to interact somehow. They're going to scan it, or they're going to receive a notification thanks to the brilliance of Bidcom or whatever. They're going to receive just a notification on their phone and, and they can just say, uh, so it's going to pop up and it's going to say, hey, this court hearing is asking for these five pieces of information. Now, how many, how many people are going to look at all five of those attributes and go, yeah, I guess that's okay. Or no, nah, I don't want to send this one, you know, because you're right. I mean, it's so easy. People just want things to go away. And if there's a green button and a red button, they're just going to push a green button. And I'm not throwing arrows here. I'm just saying it's human nature. We all do it. And so it's it's a it's a very difficult thing because we're now we're creating a powerful tool. The, the good news there, though, I mean, the takeaway for me is if I do that, I'm doing it right. 
somebody else isn't doing it on my behalf. That's the thing that yeah. burns me. That's the thing Good that point. really gets me is that, you know, I'm the one that's doing that. If I take the responsibility and this comes through education and evolution, I mean, we'll, we'll get to there where we, where we are a little more um, uh, critical of some of those processes to date. It's always been just, I mean, think about the cookie thing. When's the last time you read one of those, you know, I mean, I look for a while, I look for a way to just dismiss them or make them go away. Cause I hate accepting them, but you know, they're everywhere and nobody reads them. You just, it pops up, you click on it, it goes away. You're fine. You know, and, and you don't know what you yeah. just can say. I mean, the cookie notices, the cookie notices. The co- that, yeah. The cookie notices. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, that, that's a perfect, uh, perfect example of kind of how, how human beings interact with technology. It's just get out of my way because I'm trying to do something and you're in my way. So we have to find a way to, um, um, to solve that problem. And that, that's a, that's a really tough one, Catherine. I mean, we, we talk about that all the time. Is there going to be a whole new industry of, of organizations, uh, you know, that are doing, uh, that are doing those types of consumer protection services now that want to mediate somehow? Well, now we're defeating the purpose, you know, so it's, it's really hard to imagine how that is going to, uh, is going to be solved, but we can do it, you know, as application engineers, we can build that into that. We can say, hey, you're sending this, this, this site's looking for this. Is it really necessary? And we can build algorithms that evaluate the type of information being presented with the, with, I mean, the type of, of, of site or service that we're interacting with, with the, you know, with the types of attributes that are being sent. It's not easy, but, you know, the right thing never is. So we just have to, uh, we just have to do it, you know, and, and try to solve that problem. Um, uh, as it comes up. And like you say, at least if, if you put the power back into the hands of the user, you know, if I accidentally share my blood type with Facebook or something, then, it, yeah. then it's on me. It's my fault. It's on you. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm okay with that. And, and if you're going to do that, I'm okay with you doing that too. I, you should be compensated for it or you should be, you know, that should be your, you should at least yeah, be educated on the, about the consequences or something, but. Right. Uh, yep. As long as we all yeah. get to make that decision for ourselves, I'm, I'm okay. Exactly. And not everybody else. Yeah, I, I think uh, just to answer my side of that, I, I think we're th- there are always risks, and and we're disclosing things all the time in the physical world. Um, uh, it isn't just in the digital one where we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable everywhere in various ways. I think with the verifiable credential approach, to contrast it with the old, what we've been calling it identity 1.0 approach. You know, where you have an ID, as it were. There's a bunch of stuff in it. Um, it's much more scattered. You know, you're 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 you are doing again minimum disclosure. You're doing it for constrained uses. You're doing it with justifiable parties. Um, there are there are going to be rules about how people can use data, but they're not going to be collecting it in quite the same way. Obviously, you know, bad guys are going to be monitoring channels and trying to assemble versions of you and all that. But what? I think the upside of that goes away to some degree. I mean, there will always be criminal activity, um, but I, I, I also think that the advertising world is, which is behind an awful lot of, and probably most of the surveillance issues that we've had, is is gradually in a, it. There's a house of cards there that's collapsing, and we've had uh, Augustine Fu on this show several times now, who has done a, a fabulous job of showing how much your data you're scattering in the world, but also how much fraud is out there and how much of advertising is actually not very effective. Um, you know, this is in addition to the illegalities involved. But I think as we 
get farther downstream with the actual utility of just of of uh, of verifiable credentials, a lot of the other issues kind of fall to the wayside, and we have new issues that we're going to be dealing with, whatever those right. are, you know, and and yeah. there will be big companies that step in and want to dominate everything, and I know Microsoft is there and they're trying really hard to not act like the big foot, but they can't help it because they right. have the big foot, you know. Yep. yep. Yep, you're right, and and that's it's interesting that a couple points you made there that that resonated with me. It's like we, you know, think about paper credentials. We started with paper credentials, so when we overexposed information, I'm trying to go into a bar or something. I'm overexposing, you know, information, but I'm overexposing it to one person, right? And so that one person, what's he going to do with it? Well, exactly. you know, maybe you know. And so, and then we got to then we got, and that was that was where we were at with web 1.0, right? We were exposing that information to lots of little data silos. Were they exposed? Yeah, absolutely. Then we aggregated them all into these massive data silos. So the threat surface got enormous, right? So it's much easier to go and attack Equifax than it is to try and attack these 10 other sites. And so, um, and now we're, now we're, you know, getting to where I think we're, we can, we can fracture this. I mean, we can really blow apart these data silos. And the really cool thing is when we do that, so when we develop these, um, when we develop this technology, we really promote this technology where we take all these bits and pieces of information, we put them back into your control. Think about what that does on the application side of things. If I, you know, and even in healthcare, which is another place that we could see some, you know, some traction with verifiable credentials, but it's pretty locked down. There aren't many organizations that get to play in there. You know, it's it's centrally controlled. So it's going to be a while before we get some some movement there, I think. But think about what happens if, if I need to if I need to go to the physician and all of the information that, that they need is stuff that I'm carrying around with me, why do they need to store it? That's a really bad example. Exactly. Healthcare That's a really good example. point. Yeah. <laughs> Healthcare. Yeah. But you know, so anything though, if I'm a, if I'm a, a online provider, think about a, you know, I know there's people that are working on social network stuff, but why have all that information massively stored centrally? Why not just ask for it every time I come through the door? Because you're going to get it. It's going to be the same every time. You're not asking me, type in your first name. I'm going to provide you my first name, you know, if I choose, because it's my decision, out of my wallet. So when you log into a service, um, we did this for IAW last last year with, uh, for Kiko Chat. Remember, we had, a, we had an actual mm-hmm. verifiable credential. We went out to um, a, a bunch of different people in the industry all with interoperable wallets, you know, you could generate a, a, a credential of your of yourself for IAW and, and you could go in and, and they just asked every time. They didn't need to keep a profile of you because they could just uh, get that in the assertion. And so they could say, hello, Mike, you know, welcome back. They don't need to store that information. They don't, uh, they don't need a yeah. store address, you know? And so the application design is going to change so that when they need a piece of information, oh, you bought something, I need to ship it to you. It's just going to pop up on my phone. Dude, would you like to send me your shipping address so I can send you these these cookies you bought? Yes, I would. Right. So I mean, that's the type of relationship and interactions we need. Once they ship me my box of cookies, they discard my address and they don't keep it, and therefore it's not exposed or, or accessible for, you know, for bad things. That's the world we're marching toward that we need to get to, and uh, verifiable credentials and decentralization in general is. You know, we're, we're early days, but I like where we're going and, and I like the energy in the field for sure. Well, it, it, it might be analogous to, I mean, the experience might be analogous to when you're, you know, when you're at a, uh, a conference and you wear a badge or, um, 
or some kind of a, a readable tag. You know, you've mm-hmm. got a RFID tag or something like that. That's not telling you much about you. It's just like right. this this person is okay here. And that's really, and then when you leave, you throw it in the trash. You don't need it anymore, right? You just yep. throw the thing away. Um, and that's, you know, that, that unburdens the, you know, all of the operations of the need to like know everything about this person at all times. Um, but that's part of the experience I think that we'll have is that, is that, that particular real world model. Yeah. Yeah. So we build, you know, by starting with these, these one little simple blocks, we build the better world by making it easier for the application programmer. You know, it's easier because it's easier to just make a call and say, go give me the name, go give me the address, go give me, than it is to try and build and maintain massive databases. Now, the reason we build and maintain massive databases today, of course, is because you mentioned advertising, right? And that's going, it necessarily will die a horrible death. It can't come fast enough, but, you know, it has to go away. And because it's, I mean, it's, it's bad. There's, you know, it's a whole nother soapbox for another day, but um, we're, we're really not doing ourselves any favors as a, uh, as a society through all of the, um, uh, the social, uh, you know, and, and the advertising and the, the surveillance capitalism stuff that's going on right now. So um, it's very destructive. And, and I think it needs to go away. And these are just the foundations of that building block. And once people start building smarter applications because they know they can, um, we're, that, that makes the world a safer place. And it makes it easier, cheaper for a developer to develop an application. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we're on the right path. I'm curious about about your uh, your company. What can you tell us about some interesting kind of success stories or case studies or you know some real world applications that'll get people kind of excited? Sure. Yeah, we, we've um, we've had uh, some really good success with some of our enterprise partners, and um, you know we have a project that we uh, developed for Pricewaterhouse Coopers that does a lot of webcasting, and that webcast system has the ability to use um, digital credentials. Now we, we're, the, we're benefiting there because we also, you know, we develop, not only are we ID ramp and we're the infrastructure that ties together all of the webcast vendors and secures that environment. So, uh, you know, all the different, uh, even, even Zoom or WebEx tools like that are, uh, are, are secured using any type of technology that the firm may want. They can use their internal identity management system or a verifiable credential uh, or, you know, whatever else uh, that IDMRAP can orchestrate. And as I, as I mentioned, it's a really, you know, open platform, so it can do uh, anything. Um, but we also built this webcast portal system. So we put in the very triggers I was just talking about um, to be able to say, if we're securing an event, and that event needs to be secured by uh, to only this group of people, um, we just make a call out, you know, using an established Didcom connection that the application has with um, the the wallet, you know, for the for this uh, particular um, application, we just make that call out and say, hey, do you want to send um, you want to send your you know partner status? Do you want to send your whatever? And so that's a, a huge success, and it's still in the process of kind of really gaining a lot of traction. But I mean, pretty good size organization that's that's using verifiable credentials and some pretty exciting stuff going on. Um, we've done a number of pilots and, and things for, for other organizations. Um, um, I, we've got a couple exciting announcements coming out in March that we're 
some partnerships with other uh, other vendors. So uh, really cool stuff. But again, we're we're taking you know uh, we're taking traditional identity management, and we're just you know replacing uh, or or augmenting that traditional identity footprint with a verifiable credential and then enabling applications on the backside or other interactions on the backside of that. And it's pretty well received. So of course we're still growing, looking for, you know, even more um, uh, uh, huge wins uh, commercially, but um, we're, we're, we're seeing good things in the market leading us to believe that people are, are ready to kind of um, uh, build the next generation of their identity stack. You know, there's a huge, huge problem right now with these these massive organizations trying to just keep up because their consumers, you know, whether it's their employees or whatever, keep coming to them saying, hey, you know, we want to use this next great thing. The next great thing could be verifiable credentials. It could be biometrics. It could be uh, two-factor authentication. It could be, I mean, you name it. There's all these things that are coming at them and their federation providers, you know, their web 2.0 providers are saying, well, gosh, we don't, you know, we don't support that yet. Or we can't use that where, and so there's, there's all this friction between the, um, the demand that the industry has and that these consumers have and the velocity at which their identity providers can keep up. Verifiable credentials is, 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 is the perfect solution for that because it can be scaled out and grown extremely fast. So we're seeing some opportunities just going into organizations that already have their massive IAM stack that want to add new and uh, innovative features around the edge. So by inserting our product in the middle, um, we can orchestrate all of those things. Maybe they want an onboarding process that, you know, feeds into a, a workday process or something like that. We can, we can do all of that still deferring to their identity management system when needed. Um, but, uh, uh, but acting as authoritative for, you know, the issuance of those credentials um, on their behalf, of course, uh, to, you know, to transform some of those processes. So I, I, I have a, a question on, around COVID credentials, but I want to visit first what an IAM is, because I think a lot of people don't know what ah, that is. Identity and access management system. So these okay. are, yeah, so yeah, sorry, the, the big organizations have their own G Suite and Azure Active Directory, right? I mean, they build them for, there's a, some really, really great companies in space, Forge Rock and, and others, you know, that, um, uh, that build these massive identity uh, management systems. And, and so, uh, you know, the enterprise pretty much carries those wherever they go right now because it's, they, they have to, you know, the users onboarded, they live in that identity management system until they are um, uh, terminated or, or leave the, the firm. And then, um, and then all that stuff has to reset. So, so we're just extending that and really providing uh, credentialing based on the fact mm -hmm. that you have an account in there, and then we can allow you to build those services around around the credentials that you generate from that. So, literally within an organization using IDRAMP today, we can say, "Do you want to log into Zoom with a verifiable credential?" And that's a ten minute exercise, right? So it's just a couple of radio buttons and done. And um, you know, it's a it's a we're making it really, really easy. Or we can say, log in with a username and password or log in with a verifiable credential. You know, just trying to give all the options mm -hmm. available to, to an organization. Actually, I thought IAM at first was cat food. Um, so oh. I wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> I think that's IAMS. I don't, I don't have any cats, but I, I see that at the grocery store when I'm in the wrong aisle. Um, so 
I, I, I want to go to, to COVID because I think what we, we need the verifiable credentials there, which is a simple thing. And, and they're fairly constrained. I mean, they're, you know, I have a positive test. I have a negative test. I was tested last week. I went here. Um, you know, that I think those are, I mean, I, we complicate it by saying you need a passport. You know, I, I think yes. that's much more, much more heavy sounding than what we're talking about here. I think what you need basically is something that said that gives the other party confidence that you're okay or you're not okay. And you're excluded. Right. You know, so, mm -hmm. um, but have you, has that been part of your spectrum of concerns there? Yeah, we've been involved. Um, I mean, we, you know, we go to a lot of different uh, uh, work groups and, and we're following everything. We were part of the good health path, uh, good health passion. Yeah. Easy for me to say. Uh, initiative that came out of the Trust Over IP Foundation, um, the Cardia Project. We're, we're on the um, uh, steering committee for that project as well, just trying to watch and evolve how, try to educate the parties, you know, as, as best we can about those types of solutions. I haven't seen a real good implementation yet um, because it hasn't been pushed from from a high enough authority. I mean, it's, we're talking about portability, right? It's easy yeah. to, in fact, we, we did a project called Back to Life and we just opened it. It was just an open project for any, anybody in the world. So any organization can go out to this website and say, I want to uh, test, or I mean, I want to ask everyone coming through my door for a, um, uh, you know, the, a, a proof of vaccination, yes, or uh, a self-attested, you know, have you, do you feel okay? And what's your fever? All this, we just put it out there so that it, you know, we're thinking of schools, we're thinking of event venues. Um, remember early days, right? Early days in the pandemic, we, we didn't have past uh, vaccination cards. We didn't have it. We were just asking people, hey, you got a fever? Been around anybody in the last, and that was it. That's good enough. And, and you know, we, we look at it and we go, oh, that's horrible. But the reality is it's good enough. We got things we need to do. And you're not going to stop people, right? Even a, a pandemic isn't going to stop people. They're still going to go and do their thing. So, you know, still so we start making lemonade. And, and that was the solution. So if a, a school or a theater or, or a, you know, a college having a game wants to just say, okay, but we'd really like to know, um, you know, if these people are okay, great, let's do that. But let's not do it in a way that captures and, and you know, captures a bunch of information early days in the pandemic, I went to a couple of different um, basketball games and we were fortunate here in the Midwest that we weren't locked down as tightly as, as the coasts. Um, but they were still asking me, you know, here, go to this website and put in all this information, put your name on it, put your email address and, and, and that will pass through to us. And I'm, I, you know, there was a, not one of those actually got my information, right. Mm. Did I fill it out? Maybe, but they didn't get what, I mean, cause it's just, it's a horrible solution. And, uh, so we developed that in, in, you know, privacy preserving way. So you can go in there and you can put in all that information and it'll issue you, it'll just send you an email and say, here's your, you know, your credential. And, and you can take that. And then the, the venue just sets up an iPad and scans it. And then it's all discarded, of course, as it should be. But, um, you know, we worked on that project and kind of opened up for uh, really not knowing what was coming. And, and it turns out we, you know, we didn't, have, I guess, the, the need, at least maybe we just didn't see it here, uh, where organizations and, and, you know, restaurants and schools were getting that, were getting that uh, concern about, you know, doing those actual privacy, uh, I mean, those uh, um, vaccination 
test scans, but who knows? I mean, we're, it feels like we're kind of pulling out of this, out of this nosedive, but I don't know that anybody really knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a big mystery. Oh, I shouldn't laugh. It sounds terrible. I'm not, and at this point it's like you laugh or you cry. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I think, um, God, I, I so have we have we missed anything? Was there anything that you wanted to cover that we haven't gone, gotten to? I, I well, I think it's been it's been great conversation. It I hope people really find great. value in, in listening. But I've had a lot of fun talking about it. So um, yeah, I don't think I don't think we've uh, I don't think we've missed anything. I mean, it's always like I said, it's a moving target. Every every day we wake up, there's new challenges and uh, new opportunities, and I think that's what makes this space so fun. I just there is no. You know, the, the the origin story, right? When we were here, we were in this traditional identity and we had all these ideals and, and visions for things that we wanted to do. And I and um, I don't know how I heard about the Internet Identity Workshop. I'm not sure how I heard about it, but I ended up on a call with um, with Phil Winley one day and, and um, he was giving me kind of the mission of IIW. And I'm like, that's me. That's, that's my company. <laughs> that's, that's what we're yeah. doing. And I thought I was alone. And all of a sudden I find out I've got hundreds of friends, you know, I just didn't, I just never met them. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and so now I'm, I'm just so encouraged about the space, the energy, some of the smartest people. Oh my gosh. There's so many incredibly gifted and, and, and smart people working on these solutions that it's only a matter of time before that thing happens, right? There will be one, there'll be a, a moment and we go, wow, this is it. And uh, the snowball's rolling and getting bigger, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it'll be, you know, uh, really good times. Uh, and it's, I don't even mean just economically. I mean, yeah, sure, we, we might do some good and, and sell some stuff, but this is this is fundamental to our future, right? We have to fix this, and I just want to see us fix it by the time I check out. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. I'd really like to know that that the world's a better place uh, by the time I, by the time I check out. So um, a a couple of things. One is, are you going to be at the next IW? I am. I can't wait to get back. The the virtual ones were, I love the virtual ones. And like I said, you know, lemonade, we've been at a constant state of lemonade for the last three years, it seems like, but yeah, I can't wait to get back out there. There's so much energy and man, if there's anybody that listens to this, that hasn't been there. It's, it's a must. I mean, you, yeah. you got to do it and don't worry that you're not technical. Don't worry that, I mean, all that is it's changing, right? It's changing. I've seen more uh, really good business conversations and good, you know, cause it takes all of us to, to fix the, the problem. And so, yeah, you can get, you can roll up your sleeves and you can get really technical, but uh, you know, it's just a great place to interact, meet good friends and, uh, and there's always good food and, and stuff going on. Too. So it's gotta <laughs> I, happen. I talk it up a we lot. Do some I, podcasts from there. We should do it. it uh, it's um, the short link is iiworkshop.org. Um, but if you look up Internet Identity Workshop, you'll find it. Um, it's at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View. Uh, it's on every spring and fall. This next one is going to be in late April. Um, and one after that will be in November. Uh, but I, I, I suggest people look at it. I workshop. We'll stick it in the in the uh, yeah uh, in the in the show notes too. Um, Oh, there was one other thing I was thinking of, but I, oh, oh yeah. So you said you're in the Midwest. Where are you in the Midwest? Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Oh, Des Moines. Uh, Excellent. You know, tech hub of the U S 
No, we're yeah. it's it's a big insurance town, but it's actually great uh, for us. I, I was in I started my career in Omaha, uh, grew up in the Des Moines area, and um, I went out to Omaha for a while. And I traveled all around. And then you know when the when the kids were ready to go to school, we we came back to the home area. And I just you know, I love the community. I mean, there's just really good energy. There's a good vibe, and uh, and you know really no rush hour. So that's awesome. Chris Perillo used to have a. Um a thing called Gnome Dex, because he called himself Tech Gnome, I think, something Gnome, uh, in Des Moines. I've been there uh, for that. Yeah. It's, it's been yeah. a while. Um, I have a son in Fairfield, Iowa, and I'm in, uh, I'm in, I'm going to be back in, in, uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, which is two states away, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. It's, yeah. but it's flat too, mostly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's an easy drive. <laughs> yeah. It's an easy drive. It's only a day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah uh, well it's cool. been great having you on this is great yeah, and i look forward to so seeing much. you at uh at iw yeah i can't wait and, can't and wait. everybody i it, it is the most leveraged conference i know by far there's nothing close i mean it just stuff happens stuff comes out you just it. go you just go and and you know you get to interact that's the cool thing is you don't you're not sitting listening yeah. to people drone on it's you, yeah you there, there are no panels no no uh no keynotes Great food. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and there's, never, there's never a yeah. wrong answer, right? I mean, every, there's never yeah. a wrong answer because no, we're just all figured it out. So, yeah, it's really cool stuff. Can't wait to get back out there. Excellent. We all are really selling this. This is it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go. <laughs> Brought yeah, yeah, to you by. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been it's been really good. I think I think you know this has been really interesting, and I think people who listen are getting a lot out of it. Um, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, I hope we can do it great. again. Yeah, yeah, me too. And before we go, I wanted to point out our next episode will be our 100th episode, which seems wow. kind of, That's I know, how did, how did we get here? So um, number 99. Well, we talk a lot. Yeah, you're number 99. Yeah, 99. All right, 99. I think so. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah, uh, you're 99. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, this is really exciting. So, um, so as always, you know, to our listeners, please reach out to us with, with any feedback that you might have or, or things you want us to talk about. But, you know, for this next episode, it would be really great if uh, you dropped us a line and, and told us what you thought of our first 99 episodes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so thanks. Thanks for joining us. And uh, until next time. Thanks, guys. We'll see you.